I guess if you're born with that color hair, I guess the, the carpet must match the drapes. Hello and welcome to the Gemcast on Hologram Radio. This is Alex Knight and I'm joined by science fiction writer Kay Tempest Bradford while our friend Aline Sims takes the week off. In Season 2, Episode 7, Father's Day, Video is having trouble coming up with a Father's Day present. So Jem suggests creating a film featuring video footage of their fathers and an original song. Everyone is excited except for Kimber, who is sad about having no father to celebrate with and refuses to write the song. Stay tuned for an action-packed episode. This is episode 33 of Gem, written by returning Gem writer Roger Sliffer. Yay, Roger. I don't remember what else you wrote, but yay, Roger. Yeah, it remains to be seen how strong this episode compares to the other stuff that he's written. So we'll see. Well, this week we open with Gem and the Hologram shooting a music video for When It's Only Me and the Music which seems odd because this is an old song from the two-part episode, The Music Awards. Didn't they already make a video for this? No, not really. I mean, the the video that we saw when this song first played was, um, it was a video, basically them daydreaming while they watched dance, dance. <laughs> so there wasn't really a music video. So that's why uh, they need to film a music video but I don't think, first of all, dance should be in this video and she doesn't seem to be. And that's tragic. And also this whole gold record Lazy Susan thing they have going on with this video does not bode well for, for the video itself. Right. Why do you think dance is not in this? Is they it just an get oversight? They voice actress. <laughs> <laughs> Too many people being drawn because uh, it's a video episode. I, I don't know. Maybe she had a cold. Who knows? Who knows? We'll never know. Jem tells Video that she's directly responsible for creating the band's unique image and that if there's anything she can do to help, she should let her know. Video uh... tells Jem the only help she needs is figuring out what to get her father for Father's Day. Rhea uh... <laughs> I mean, they, you also need help with that gold record, Lazy Yeah, no kidding. Thing. All right, continue. <laughs> Rhea suggests that the holograms produce a music video for Father's Day. Shayna suggests they incorporate clips of their own fathers, which I guess is a good idea. Aja mentions she thinks she has some old home movies they can include. And Jem tells everyone to gather their home movies and meet her back at Starlight Mansion. But Um. meanwhile, Kimber (laughs) is looking rather miffed, especially in that close-up shot of her face, the way they animated it. Yeah, they they caught the saltiest of salty Kimber looks with this, that animation, which I was really impressed by because there is very clear that Kimber is not having any of this. But the other thing that I asked myself when there was watching the scene is they were talking about, Oh yeah, we have all these home movies, whatever. And I'm like, but Asha and Shayna are orphans. So, I mean, maybe they like um, amongst their possessions, they have some seriously old, home movies with them and their fathers but then it's like oh let's all go gather and then meet back like, everybody lives in the same place woman you all live in the same place and jim can't have footage of her father because jim is not a real person jerica has a father but jim does not have parents jerica and kimber drive back to starlight mansion jerica asks her sister why she's being so quiet and kimber tells her the video is a terrible idea It has nothing to do with their musical careers. It's completely off track, and she's against it. Jerrica seems surprised at Kimber's reaction and tells her she's being selfish. After all, Video is their friend, and she needs the band's support. Kimber stays quiet and ignores Jerrica. Jerrica gets annoyed, grabs Kimber's shoulder, and forces her to confront her and answer her. Jerrica asks Kimber to dig some old home movies out of the attic of their father. And that's a perfect moment for a music video. Yeah. It's a rather sad video, but it it, it really makes sense. Just the tone 
of this episode, even though we're just barely into the beginning of the episode. The song right. is called Something is Missing in My Life. Now, is my memory is telling me this is a song we've heard before. Is that right? Yes, this is a repeat. This actually, the first time we heard this song was in that horrible China episode that we've all been trying to forget since we saw it. Um, and one of our most and- popular episodes of the Gemcast, by the way. Really? As, as far as download numbers are concerned, people <laughs> like people like torturing themselves. Well, people are like, I remember that terrible episode. What did they say about it? And they are tuning in to make sure yeah. that we agree that it was a terrible episode, I am sure. I must relive my agony. Right. Um, but actually, the, the song, I like it much better here because it makes much more sense. It's it's really interesting. I often find that when they repeat the song, sometimes it's a better fit for the song. We've seen that actually in the last few episodes. Um, and there are many times when they repeat songs. And I guess it's because they realize that they have a song that, that's pretty good. Um, so Something is Missing actually fits really well right here. It fits with the tone, you know, because it was never like a really, you know, happy, preppy song. I guess it wouldn't be because it's about something being missing from your life. Um, but right here, it's it's really poignant because, you know, you have Kimber going through all this old stuff and she's going through the memories of her dad. And I love how, like, her memories are sort of sepia-toned, like the the pictures and stuff. Um, and And what's really even more sort of moving about this is just the fact that you know jerica is completely tone deaf to her sister's sadness like did you notice that did you notice how terrible oh yeah jerica was like she's oh, like what's wrong with you awful. kimber it's like what what do you think is wrong with her she lost her dad a year ago you lost your dad a year it ago seems, it just seems so odd to me and just like subhuman behavior for somebody who's also lost the exact same parent i mean they're siblings so it it doesn't seem like realistic behavior. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but does does that seem like realistic behavior to you? It really doesn't. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I just I don't understand what Jerrica's problem is. And this is throughout this episode, I don't understand why it is that Jerrica doesn't understand why Kimber has such a problem right now. Yeah, and it's like she lost her dad less than a year ago. She has not, I guess, had time to deal with it, process it. Whatever it is, and this is, you know, Father's Day is coming up. She probably already had feelings. This whole thing is bringing up some feelings. And instead of actually saying, Kimber, let's talk about these feelings. Let's talk about the fact I know dad is gone and, you know, da da da. Let's talk about Kimber. Jerrica doesn't say anything. She's like, go upstairs and get the tapes and come down here and do the thing. And we're going to make this stuff. And I'm not going to even consult you or ask you. I'm like, ugh. is the worst sister in this episode. It's very tone deaf behavior. That's for sure. And I agree with you. I, I, I liked a lot of the elements of the video, and I definitely think it absolutely makes way more sense in this episode than it, in, in the previous in, incarnation. But, you know, one thing I felt was a missed opportunity was I really think that this should have been a song where Kimber is actually singing. Now, maybe for budgetary reasons or laziness or maybe both of those factors played in here, for the fact that they reused this song, but I really wanted to hear just Kimber singing. And that I, I think would have been great because we've, we've heard that before, but it's a rare thing. Yeah, they they don't often just let, you know, one person sing, even if it's uh, a scene or a, even a whole episode just about them. And that is a shame because you're right. It could have been very interesting to hear Kimber singing a song about about how Kimber feels. Yeah, maybe it was because they felt like Jem is the, she is the lead singer of the band. She's the star of the show and also for the product line and merchandising reasons. I mean, Jem is the name that is on the product and on the show. So maybe they felt like maybe people wouldn't really care much about Kimber, but I'm not necessarily sure that's true. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I I ran around the house singing I'm okay for years. Yeah. Years. And, and, and I know for a fact that there are people that bought those dolls that you know, as much as they like Jem, I mean, I think everyone had their own favorite. And I don't think it Jem was necessarily everyone everyone's favorite. I think everyone had their own favorite hologram. And some people might have liked Kimber. Yeah. Some people might have identified more with Shane. I think it all depends on who you identify more closely with. Yeah, I definitely identify more with I mean, Kimber. Oh, really? Okay. So was she yeah. was she one of your favorites? Yeah, it was Kimber and Shayna were my two favorites. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jem, she's fine, whatever, pink hair, white lady. But 
Kimber identified with more, and of course, Shayna, because she had the most fabulous purple fro ever, and I kind of wanted that. Yeah. I wish I had that much hair. After spending an extended period of time in the attic, perusing canisters of old home movies and reminiscing, Kimber heads down to the living room where Shayna is setting up a projector. Shayna asks Video how she's going to present the movie to her father. Video explains they're going to throw a special Father's Day banquet in her hometown this weekend. Everyone is going to be invited. Kimber decides not to stick around, and Jerrica tells her she better get started on writing the new song they need for the Father's Day movie, as it needs to be done by tomorrow. That's really not a lot of preparation time there. It is not. I love how they have just volunteered everybody's services for something that is supposed to happen like two days from now. Well, especially speaking of volunteering, I mean, just everyone goes along with this except for Kimber, but they all ignore her feelings about how she's not interested in this at all. Right. And even at this point, you know, when Kimber leaves the room and somebody says, oh, what's her problem? And Derek is like, oh, she's just throwing another tantrum. And I swear if I could have reached through the television and smack that cartoon woman across the room. Yeah, that's I would have. really uncalled for. I just, I, oh, at that moment. And, but I was there like, was no tantrum, though. Person. I mean, right. leaving the house because you're sad about something is not a tantrum. I mean, if she was, I mean, what, what Pizzazz did near the end of this episode, that was a tantrum. Like screaming and shouting and like that, that's a tantrum, but not what, what right. Kimber did. As it, I don't think I've ever seen Kimber throw a tantrum, as a matter of fact. But they're always really much harder on Kimber than they need to be. But also, just Jerrica in this episode is just a jerk. Yeah. She's a jerk. She's a, an emotionless, tone-deaf, jerky face. She's the worst kind of older sister. And I want to throw her out of a window, especially at that moment. Well, I wouldn't wish death upon her, but... <laughs> She can live, but she's going to live well, with she's scars. Of course, because she's a cartoon. You can throw her through a window. She can take a beating. They've, lived, they've certainly lived through all of the, uh, the near-death experiences that the misfits have put them through, for sure. This is true. I'm surprised none of them have PTSD from all the kidnappings. But that's another discussion for another day. At the Gabor estate, Pizzazz asks her father what he wants to do for Father's Day. She's actually making a conceited effort here. But unfortunately for Pizzazz, Mr. Gabor tells Pizzazz that he's far too busy and needs to finish his reports. Though if she wants to buy him a present, he's okay with it so long as she doesn't spend too much money. Now, just as an aside, notice how Pizzazz actually did not say, what can I buy for you? She actually right. said, what do you want to do? Like, as right? in, do you want to spend time together, perhaps? Oh, my God. I <sighs> mean, this this whole episode, because I'll tell you, Alex, I know that, that you hold a secret soft place in your heart for pizzazz. I know that you do. It's okay. I don't always agree with you about the way that you feel about pizzazz and how she is treated. But in this episode, starting at this moment, I am team pizzazz. I felt so, so sorry for this woman throughout this whole thing. And, it, you know, it starts right here because, like you said, she didn't say, what can I buy you? She said, what do you want to do? What do you want to do together? And Harvey, forever, this freaking reports talking about, oh, I got a report to read. You know, he can't even look up from his report to even deal with his daughter. And this has always happened throughout the series. But, you know, at this point, you're just like, what what is wrong with you, sir? What is wrong with you that you can it's Father's Day? And he's like, nope, I, I got to look at these reports and I got to see a man about a horse. Like, ugh, jerk. Very jerk. odd, very odd, but not totally out of character for Mr. Gabor. It's true. Pizzazz gets upset and insists she's a famous rock star and has her own money. Pizzazz decides she needs to leave and get far away from her father. Clash invites her and the rest of the misfits to go to a Father's Day banquet in her hometown of Mulberry. Gee, I wonder if this is the same banquet that I could video be. is I having. Mean, how, ma- how many other places in the world do you know that throws banquets on Father's Probably Day? Probably not many. Mm. Not many. Pizzazz thinks the name of her city sounds like a new soda for wimps. <laughs> oh, Pizzazz. 
Pizzazz's in disbelief at the very idea that people would go to a Father's Day banquet as no one's father adores them like Clash claims. Right? There's a tongue twister like was, Clash claims. <laughs> that was such a sad moment. Like, my heart grew three sizes that moment for Pizzazz when, you know, Clash is, my father adores me. And Pizzazz is like, no, no one's father no. adores them. And I was like, right. oh, honey, she hasn't even been exposed to, like, media where fathers adore their daughters like this is how much she just doesn't yeah. understand the normal relationship between fathers and daughters i, I wonder has harvey Ugh. gabor ever hugged his daughter even once like when she was two he hugged her and that was the last time i wonder what he's done for pizzazz's birthday or if he's forgotten those as well maybe like throws her a lolly and like a wad of cash and <laughs> now get right. the hell he's out like, how old are you now 15 she's like daddy i'm 30 what are you doing? He's like, oh, well, here's the here's the lollipop. The misfits arrive in the town of Mulberry and pull up to Clash's childhood home. Her father comes running out to greet Clash and gives her a big hug. Pizzazz stands with her jaw open in disbelief as they embrace. He really does adore her. Oh, my God, Pizzazz, you poor child. I just, I want to hug you so much. Oh yeah, we God. all feel bad for Pizzazz in this episode. But as this is happening, the Misfits notice video across the street visiting her parents. Yes, and that is because uh, it, you all may have forgotten this bit of information if you haven't been watching Gem and the Holograms over and over for the past 30 years as I have, <laughs> that um, video and Clash are cousins, which was established back in season one, actually established the very first time that both video and clash showed up on this show they're cousins and so this is why clash's dad lives two doors down from video's parents because clash's dad and video's dad are brothers i appreciate you bringing that up because that's certain certainly something that i forgot while watching this i was like this doesn't make any sense what are the chances right then after you explain it i'm like oh yes that's right yeah and it, it you know it gets real interesting because if you don't remember this information the entire interaction between all these people seems really odd and strange yeah. mm-hmm. because you're just like why are they putting up with this man at this time i don't hmm. the misfits practically invite themselves over for dinner at video's parents home after a satisfying meal clash asks if they can watch some of her old home movies to give the misfits a chance to see what she was like when she was a kid why do you think she did that, by the way? Like, why do you think she well, cares so much? I, I don't think it was actually her specifically. I think it was her dad. Because um, all the things that, that happen uh, around this part of the episode are happening because Clash's dad is the worst. And I also feel like, so this cartoon is kind of weird on class issues. But kind of? Well, okay, it's completely weird. <laughs> weird about on a issues. lot of levels. It is weird on a lot of levels. Um, but like, there's a lot of, you know, sort of like under the carpet classism that goes on. Like, for instance, with the fact that Clash's dad, you know, he lives in this house that's meant to look really tacky on the outside. He dresses kind of like a bumpkin, um, but clearly contrasted with Video's parents who looks like who look like they stepped off the set of the Donna Reed show to come be in this episode. So, you know, they're wearing very like upper middle class, like fancy, like not super fancy, but very, you know, cultured people's clothing, tweed vests and whatnot. Um, and they're very, you know, tasteful looking house. Right. Sure. And so Clash's dad is the one who's like, hey, I have some guests. So why don't we all come over to your house for dinner? Like he's the one who invites everybody over. You're like, what are you doing, sir? And then he's the one who's like, yeah, let's watch some videos of my daughter. And everybody's like, oh, I guess, okay, fine. Um, And he just feels comfortable just stepping all over everyone, being very uncouth, being very unsophisticated. And like I said, this is all meant to be in contrast to Video's parents who are very gracious, who are so nice that even though this man is clearly the worst and you would never want him around, um, are like, sure, you can bring all 12 of your guests over to our house unexpectedly for dinner, even though we don't really have that much food. And sure, we'll all go into a room and watch home movies of your daughter, even though she is not our daughter. They are so Minnesota nice with all of their like passive aggressive, you know, yeah. not confronting him. Like this whole thing. Well, and it's all just really, really weird. 
to me, what's what's weird though is that Clash even suggests that she goes and puts on some of these old home movies. Because I don't know about you, but for me, like even when my parents show pictures of me as a child, I get embarrassed. So I wouldn't want home movies of of me being played to to my friends personally. I mean, don't you think that'd be embarrassing? It like who, like on... who who's gung ho? I've never met anyone that's gung ho. Let's watch some home movies of me as a kid. Like I don't know. I think it depends on just your level of um selfish well not selfishness. What is it? Your ego. Because that's the other weird thing is that Clash clearly has um a lot of self esteem. She has a lot of belief in herself, a lot of self esteem, and that seems to come from her dad because her dad totally treats her like a princess and she is everything to him and she's just the greatest and everything she does is awesome even when she's being really horrible because he's like that's my daughter um and and that is like contrasted with how how little self-esteem she has in other situations so it it doesn't surprise me at all that clash is like yeah let's go watch the movies of me as a kid because she's like i'm awesome uh and plus it embarrasses video and that's really what yeah. I think seems to be the the thing. Well, she brings up the fact that she wants to watch these videos. Everyone seems like they're reluctant, but they agree to do it anyways. So the lights go off and the cameras roll. The opening shot is of Clash as a baby. And you actually see video, a young video, uh, go into the, uh, to the room where Clash is. And Clash's father mentions she was always an intention grabber and video's father makes a snide comment about how she takes after her father right (laughs) see once again like these two men who are brothers have clearly also been having this horrible relationship with each other since they were born and that's why i don't understand like why do you still let him, like, why, yeah. why are you still living on the same street as it him? Seems he like, clearly is annoying. It seems like John is kind of embarrassed by Buzz, but just kind of, you know, it's like, well, you know, first of all, he lives directly across the street. Secondly, he's going to be, like, what am I going to do? Just say he's not part of our lives? Because that wouldn't fly either. So I think he just... Move to a different neighborhood. Move across town. He absolutely could, and I think he should, but he strikes me as the kind of man that just wants to keep the peace, you know? At, at family events. He's just like, let's just all be civil, even though we don't like each other. Minnesota nice. I exactly. swear, even though... That's Canadian nice right there. <laughs> even though I think you at some point told me that there's a Mulberry in Arkansas. There I'm is a Mulberry in sure. Arkansas. And these a lot of the townsfolk have accidents. We, uh, accidents. A lot of the townsfolks have, have accents, southern accents. I don't know exactly. I'm not an expert on southern accents. I don't know what if that's even accurate or what specific Southern accent that is, but they have an accent. So that's what made me think like, this has got to be in Arkansas. No, I think it's in Minnesota, just judging from all the Minnesota nice going on. And I also have to say, I feel like this, the the voice direction that the actors got for this was they're bumpkins and they're like, okay. And so they have that word again. That reminds me of uh, Jetta. I think Jetta's called uh, Clash. Hey, hello, bumpkin. It's so bad. Oh my god! Calls her a bumpkin. The next. Oh, and also, sorry. Also, (laughs) Clash is a baby. Has purple hair. Purple hair. Oh, that's right. That and that just confirms that in this reality, in this world, people Mm -hmm. are born with that color. It's not dye. They are. So basically, you are born into a rock and roll lifestyle if you are born with like a, a a crazy color hair. I love it. I love that Clash as a baby has purple hair, that it grows out of her head that way. It just uh, also proves that, you know, Gem and the Holograms actually takes place in an alternate universe instead of it being our universe. But it's an alternate universe where the United States is like five feet wide. So I guess that's really convenient for getting on ships. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I I guess if you're born with that color hair, I guess the the carpet must match the drapes. I don't even want to think about that. (laughs) Think of just Rio's purple hair. (laughs) The next shot is of Video's 10th birthday. Her parents gifted her a camera, the first she's ever had. 
In the same shot, behind video, we see Clash playing with cymbals. Now, not tiny cymbals like the ones she's got now. Giant, like, parade-style cymbals, whatever those... Just regular-sized cymbals. Clash's father said that was also the same day she got her first musical instrument. Video makes a comment about how the only way she would ever get attention or the only way she could ever get attention was to try and hurt someone. Clash throws a bowl of popcorn over Video's head. Speaking of hurting someone, Video tries to retaliate, but Jetta grabs her chair and makes her trip as she tries to stand, and of course the misfits laugh at her expense. You know, once again, we have this whole thing where all of these people are completely uncouth. They have no chill. And they literally assault this woman in her own home. And it's just, it's, I just find this so interesting because, I mean, yes, the, the misfits will take you on at any time and use a bulldozer to kill you if they feel like it. But it just, I think this is just more of that thing where they're contrasting Buzz and his daughter and her ilk with video and her parents who act properly and whatever. It's, mm -hmm. Agreed. Absolutely. Video's parents ask Buzz, Clash's father, and the misfits to leave. Buzz tells John, Video's father, some things never change. Video is still taking a back seat to my daughter. Video tells her father that she plans on giving him a present at the banquet that will make up for all of the years of abuse he's ever received from Buzz. Now, I don't think whatever that present is, no matter how good it is, I don't think that could possibly make up for all of the years of abuse. Do you? No, no, I do not. Especially since, I mean, you were talking about their whole lives, their whole lives. This has been going on. I don't think that Jim the Hologram singing a song. It's not that simple. It's really not that simple. It's going to make up for this stuff. I do, however, still, I really love the fact that Video's dad finally says, oh, I should have popped him one. I'm like, yes, you should have, sir. You maybe should have popped him one every day for the last 20 years. No, or but he's not a violent. But violence is not the answer to everything. Okay, you know what? That's such an 80s cartoon answer to that question. Violence isn't the answer. Sometimes... You do have to pop somebody in the mouth. Well, you know what? I you you're right because re- recall that episode with Stormer's brother who ended up punching Eric was it Eric Raymond that he punched or yes. no no he threatened yeah. him well, like pretty Well, like, he d- he did. He threatened him he and then he wrapped up. a lamp around his yeah. neck. That's yeah. so awesome. I love that scene. So sometimes violence does solve things. I'm just saying. Okay. At Starlight Mansion, Kimber is sulking in her bed as Jerrica tries to speak with her. Kimber tells her sister that she's not writing the lyrics for the song, which, of course, she's repeatedly said she's not interested. Jerrica insists that she complete the work and that they all made a commitment to help video. Later, Jerrica asks Kimber to go for a ride with her and the rest of the holograms in the Rockin' Roadster. Begrudgingly, Kimber agrees. Oh, my God. I just, once again, Jerrica, what is wrong with you? But please you, acknowledge these feelings. Please. Yes. She never even once so bad. says to Kimber, why are you feeling this way? Or like, let's talk about this. Let's talk about why it is that you don't really want to do this. Or, hey, maybe I know that you're still feeling really hurt about dad being gone and that it's Father's Day. But it would be so nice if we did like something to acknowledge why Kim, because it's really obvious why Kimber like I can see it. Oh, it, it, well, sister. I mean it's obvious to you worst. and I because we're reasonably intelligent, but uh, but Jerrica yeah. is just clueless, absolutely clueless. Yeah. yeah. Cut to video. We get a quick shot of her doing some filming for the Father's Day special. A little boy asks her what she's filming this for, and video tells him it's a surprise. And then we cut to the misfits riding in a convertible. Pizzazz is incredibly bored with Mulberry, which I don't blame her, and says that they need to get out of the town. Now we cue up a music video from the misfits called Let's Blow This Town. What'd you think? I... I guess this song is okay. I actually found myself singing it the other day. <laughs> so it, it's not as 
as unappealing as I had previously thought. It's it's catchy. Yeah, it's pretty catchy. But the video is pretty standard. It's like, pizzazz abuses everybody. Film at 11. (laughs) Very true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have much else to say on that. I mean, it's a pretty unspectacular video. The pizzazz doing what she does best. The misfits drive by the scene of video's Father's Day shoot and decide to stop. Video is surrounded by people from her neighborhood as they bombard her with all sorts of questions, including, surprise, surprise, who is Jim? Who is she really? The number one question that's on everybody's minds. Y'all got to stop. It's not that important. Why are people still asking this question? It made me actually think, you know, this week I've been thinking about, you know, you got musicians like Lady Gaga, right? And you have Madonna and all these musicians and like Prince that use these pseudonyms. And nobody has ever questioned, well, who are these people really? Like the the only thing people well, care yeah. about are is the music, right? Well, I'm trying to think if there have been any musicians that have used a stage name where we actually didn't know what their real name was or if their real name was the secret. Um, because actually Madonna's name is, but she, her, her mother named her Madonna. That's not a stage name. I thought it was. No, no, no. She, her name is Madonna. Okay. She just doesn't, you know, use her last name. So it's just like, all right. One well, name, what about, what know, about Prince? Madonna. I mean, I don't even know um, what his real name is. I, I don't even know. I haven't looked at Wikipedia. I don't know if that information is public. Is it? Yeah, I think it is. I just think that nobody cares. No, well, see, that's the thing. Nobody cares. That's what's so unrealistic about this. Right. It's nobody cares. Like, yeah, nobody's going around like we have to find out Prince's real name because somebody knows it. It's like it's like Axel Rose. Like so, people but what knew do you Axel think? Rose's real name, but nobody cared. I'm just trying to think maybe in this universe, like if everybody found out Jem was Jerrica Benton, the owner of Starlight Music, like, like what do you think would happen? Like regular fans of Jem and the Holograms, they'd be like, oh, okay. Um, um, what I don't now? think that they would care, and I'm I'm pretty sure that there used to be like some story behind why this this had yeah. to be a secret, other than the fact that this is like a superhero type show and there has to be a secret identity. I, I think I've always thought that somewhere. you know uh, I was actually just following uh, Sophie Campbell's tweets this week as she t- live tweeted her uh, commentary on the terrible Jim movie, but you know she mentioned something about the original cartoon how it had a lot of nonsensical plots, and this is one of those things of this ongoing obsession with Jim's I- secret identity is it's really nonsensical. Like it, it, it doesn't make any sense in the real world. Like yeah. nobody would care. Like really? Like yeah. Uh, like I guess. Uh, I mean, if you did find out, that initial curiosity would just go away. Like, I don't buy what Eric Raymond has always said, that if we reveal her identity, her career will be ruined. How? Explain to me how her career would be ruined. Um, they make the same music. something, reason, something, something. Well, that's what I'm talking I, yeah, about. It's just know. nonsensical. It's not, it doesn't make sense. I will point something out, though. I just looked it up. And Prince's name is actually really Prince. Okay, then. The Misfits pull over and Clash decides to try and steal some of the attention by standing on the hood of the car and shouting, She's a fake! Clash claims she doesn't really know Gem and the Holograms and that she's the only one who's truly hobnobbing with celebrities. Clash introduces the Misfits and the crowd rushes to the vehicle proving the Misfits are actually popular. Well, I mean, we knew that. We knew that they were but actually But I think popular. sometimes we forget about that because that doesn't happen very often. So sometimes it's like a nice reminder. It's like, oh, yeah, you know what? They are the second most popular rock band. This is true. Right right ahead of the Limp Lizards, actually, yeah. um, which is hilarious. But, you know, it, and once again, this scene, Clash, like, completely has this sad, like, feeling of inadequacy around video because she has to stand up and first of all tell an obvious lie like oh she doesn't really know gem which is dumb because part of the reason why video is famous is because she's famous for being the director of gem the holograms videos and this is a thing that would have been known to people because this was like the early days of mtv and there weren't that many people who directed music videos anyway so you know the it's a dumb lie but the fact that everybody like falls for it makes uh, this is when i started to hate the people of mulberry a lot and and wish all of them ill but but yeah i 
I really was wondering, why is it that Clash feels so inadequate, especially around video? Because, you know, she has a father who adores her to a ridiculous degree, who always tells her that she's the best and never tells her that she's wrong. So what is it about, like, video getting attention that just reaches into the deep core of her being and makes her hate everything? It's a good question. I really don't have an answer for that. Maybe we'll maybe we'll get some better insight as the episode progresses. But for now, in a conversation with Buzz, John asks that Clash apologize to Video for her rude behavior. Buzz brushes it off and insists she's just having a little fun. Both Buzz and John notice Video filming the Misfits. Buzz mentions that even Video seems to have come around to appreciating his daughter for the star that she is. Buzz asks Video to take a picture of him with the Misfits, but she stops filming and says she's had enough for the day. Yeah, and here we have the flip side of this where Video feels completely inadequate right? because of Clash of Shenanigans, which I'm just like, girl, what's wrong with you? Like, have, have some self-esteem. Has it? Because then, you know, she just does something dumb, and uh, I'm just like, oh, God, this rivalry between you two right. has got to stop. Yeah, Video is really frustrated, so she decides that she can no longer contain one of the surprises that she's been keeping from her father. She makes the announcement to the crowd that Gem and the Holograms will make an appearance at the banquet to sing a special song. That seems to get people excited again. Elsewhere, Gem and the Holograms arrive at a ranch, a place where Kimber used to go horseback riding as a kid. Though Kimber didn't initially want to come along, she's pleasantly surprised when she finds her old horse, Lucky. And he is old. My God, he looks very wrinkled. It's kind of hilarious. Poor Lucky. Did you call him wrinkled? I think it's actually a she anyway. Okay. Mares just look settled in. They just look that way. <laughs> they go for a ride, but when Aja asks if Kimber is feeling inspired, Kimber tells her to get off her back. Jericho, as she should, as she should, as she should. <gasps> they keep they're on her case constantly. They are they they are the worst friends. Like not only is Jericho the worst sister, the holograms are the worst friends. They like drag her out into the middle of nowhere, and then they're like, "Are you inspired? Are you inspired? Yeah, gonna write that song. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's do it." It's like, get off this woman's back. Yeah. Jerica reminds her sister that the banquet is later that night and they still don't have a completed song. Well, you're screwed at this point. Right. Also, once again, you all have planned this badly because, first of all, if the thing is happening tonight, why are you all horseback riding? Like, I don't care how inspired you wanted Kimber to be. If you had been, y'all should have all gotten on a plane already. Like, what is this? And like, how is Kimber supposed to write a song in five minutes so you can go to the, ugh. This is bad planning, and they're all dumb. (laughs) If they don't have something to perform, they'll disappoint Video's father. After being called childish, Kimber says, So I'm a child. Sue me. That was awesome. Great reaction. (laughs) Jerrica's plan to bring Kimber up to the ranch has failed. Jerrica figured reminiscing about her father and happy moments in her childhood would have convinced her to go through with writing the song. Kimber has a breakdown and screams, Stop it! I don't want to hear any more about fathers! She takes off with her horse, Lucky. Unfortunately for Kimber, Lucky freaks out and she's thrown off the horse and is knocked unconscious. Well, this is what happens when you have an emotional breakdown on a horse. Horses are very sensitive to the emotions of their riders. And I'm sure the horse is like, what is happening? Get this woman off of me. Yeah, I don't blame the horse at all. Well, Harvey Gabor shows up and tells the holograms to keep Kimber still until the doctors arrive, which, from what I've been told, is a good move because for all yeah. they know, her spine could be shattered. You don't want to make it worse. Mm-hmm. But also... Harvey Gabor shows up. He did go see a man about a horse. Those Arabian horses he was he talking about really in the did. episode. He I, is there I, to look I at Arabian maybe horses. That was, I thought that was maybe an excuse to kind of just like tell his daughter to F off. 
Right, because he literally was like, I got to see a man about a horse. Like, that's just his thing that you say, but he really like was going to go said, see a man about a nobody horse. Nobody says that. <laughs> Apparently, he does. Harvey does. Video calls Starlight Mansion, and Mrs. Bailey answers. When Video asks where Jim and the holograms are, she tells her that they aren't there and that they've gone horseback riding, but they've been gone for an unusual amount of time. Back at the ranch house, Kimber comes to and notices Pizzazz's father. Mr. Gabor seems confused, though, when Kimber mentions uh, Pizzazz's name, and he says, Oh, you mean Phyllis. <laughs> Phyllis. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. There's actually a bit of a touching moment here between Kimber and Mr. Gabor. No, no, no. Wait. For, back up. You gotta, you gotta talk about what Shayna says well, to him. Well, okay, yes, I'll, I'll read the, I'll read the entire passage here because I've got it written down. Anyways, Mister Gabor says, "Oh, you mean Phyllis?" Shayna says, "Your Phyllis has been a real pain in our backsides." And he says, <laughs> "I love it. I love I'm it. terribly sorry. I'd be happy to pay for any damages." And he reaches into his <laughs> wallet, pulls out a wad of cash. Jerrica says, don't be silly. It's not your fault. And he says, maybe it is. Maybe <laughs> I spoiled her. It's hard okay, to raise wait, a child wait, wait, on your wait, own. Wait, 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 wait. Before we get to this really moving part of this, I just want to talk about for a second how Harvey Gabor's first reaction to any kind of like, oh, oh, did my daughter do something to you? Let me just pull out my wallet and get out some money for you to pay for whatever. Because like, this is his first instinct. This is how he solves problems. This is the problem. <laughs> right? He's a terrible parent. He is, because he's just like, oh, yeah, how much? And I'm like, yeah. you know, can we calculate the how much the emotional, you know, damage, the emotional toll on these women, how much that's worth monetarily? Right. Like, I think Harvey Gabor would have to pay out a million dollars in 1986 yeah. money to these women each just to account Mr. for, Gabor, like, just some of the... <laughs> don't you know money doesn't buy love? Or solve the problems of your bratty, bratty, bratty child. <laughs> and I love how it's Shayna. The, Shayna is the one who's like, yo, daughter. Mm-hmm. She she whipped out her angry black woman. She's only she's only had like she only has like three lines in this whole episode, and two of them are her being an angry black woman. I love it. Yeah, I know when when Shana, when Shana gets into that that tone of voice, you love it. Well, Mister Gabor starts to have an epiphany, I think, because he says, "Maybe it is. Maybe I spoiled her. It's hard to raise a child on your own. She's been uncontrollable ever since her mother walked out on us." Oh, my God. And Kimber God. says, Pizzazz's mother left? And then he says, and world's tiniest violin playing. <clears throat> Years ago, ever since then, it's like Phyllis resents the entire world. I don't think she ever learned to accept the loss of a parent. Oh, my Kimber God. Says, oh, my God. It's hard oh, to no, accept. No, no, no. no. Let's, we're leaving Kimber's reaction in a second because we got to talk about this. Ever since this, we started doing this rewatch, it has been in my head that Pizzazz's mother died. And it's not because I have never watched this episode. I think I just like left out that bit of information because I don't watch this episode a lot because it's really sad. And I get very emotional watching this episode, especially the end of it. Mm -hmm. So I don't watch it a lot. Um, but I had forgotten that bit of information that Pizzazz's mother isn't just dead. She walked out on them. And I'm like, oh my God, this makes so much of Pizzazz's I actually, personality makes sense. I actually think that maybe Pizzazz would have been better off if her mother died, as grim as that sounds, because there's no closure. It's like she's left and you know, you know she's still out there. Right. And that's the thing. I'm like, what did Harvey do to this woman? Because, you know, he's a rich man and many a woman has stayed married to a rich man who is unbearable because money. Right. And also they have a child together because not only did she walk out, she walked out, she left her kid. And he doesn't really say when this happened, but I'm guessing maybe preteens. You know, it wasn't when she maybe, was like a little, little girl. Yeah. And like, it must have been when she was like old enough to really understand how messed up all this is. Maybe Harvey bought his mother's love. Maybe this is like something from like Pretty Woman. Where she was like, he just she was bought just her. Like, and then... She was just like, you know, a, a, a hired escort or something. And then he, they just like eventually. No, no. No, no, no. I really feel like it, it had to have been something where 
he married her, but he was so busy looking at his reports yeah, all the reports. time. That's all he does is reports. He has so many reports to look at that maybe she was just like you and your reports. But but the other thing is, I also feel like he must have done something really horrible to her for her to have left pizzazz there with him. Like she, because she didn't. And and that's the other thing is that he says she walked out and left us, and pizzazz has to deal with the loss of a parent. That means that she walked out and she doesn't even communicate with them. Like whatever happens, she's just like, Mm-mm, screw you. And that also has to be really messed up because, you know, plenty of people yeah. get divorced all the time. She can still see her mom if they sure, just got divorced. Sure. But she just completely loved the picture. And I'm like, what What did Harvey Gabor do well, to it makes this woman? Me, it makes me think, too, that maybe there's something else going on with the fact that maybe there's something wrong with her because, you know, it. If they divorced, even if they weren't getting along, you would think that the mother would want to have partial that she would get partial custody. But in this show, this in, in the entire time span of the show, we never see Pizzazz's mother. So it makes me think that maybe maybe there's something else going going on for the fact that she can't be part of Pizzazz's life. Well, you know, uh, maybe she's a drug addict. Of- no, she's not a drug addict. Or I refuse drunk. to believe that. <laughs> no, no, I refuse to believe it because here's the thing, uh, you know, just tying this all in with the whole Raymond crime family connection. I wonder if Pizzazz's mom was like, you cannot continue working with these mobsters. And he's like, shut up, woman. This is my business. Don't ever talk to me about my business. I have this report to read. And maybe she did not voluntarily leave Pizzazz behind. And maybe that's why Harvey is so guilt racked and he can't even have a conversation with his daughter. Like he, he doesn't like even like to look at her, you know, in, in other times when we've seen Harvey and Pizzazz interact, sometimes he doesn't even look up from the paper to look yeah. at her. That's, uh, that's intriguing. I, that's maybe an intriguing he's, theory. Like, super guilt racked because he was the one who was like, no, you can't take our daughter. and No, you can't see her anymore. And that was enforced by his friends, uh, Eric Raymond's older brothers, maybe. Maybe, maybe. But as we conclude here, Kimber, and she gets kind of emotional here and starts tearing up. She says, it's hard to accept. And he says, I know it is, Kimber, and puts puts her, uh, puts her his hand on, on her leg and they, they hug. That was so weird. I mean, not Kimber's reaction because, you know, Kimber is crying because she lost her fair. And once again, like, why isn't it Jerrica that gets this out of her? Like, a random man who they have really not yeah, had Yeah, it took a stranger. It took a stranger. It's so strange. got this out of her. But but I understand her reaction because, you know, I my mom died over 15 years ago, and I still get weepy whenever I think of her. So clearly, you know, Kimber's dad died a year ago. So, of course, wow. she's feeling this way. But the weird part of the scene is how Harvey is the one who, like, holds her in his arms as she cries. And I'm like... It's giving more attention to, to a stranger than his own daughter. Right? I've never seen you touch pizzazz, much less so, so wrong. her. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, after she cries it out for a little while, it seems like uh, Kimber has renewed her interest in, in writing this song because she decides to complete the song and actually... We don't actually see her writing the song, but she's just like, it's done, all of a sudden. Which was, and she must be some songwriter. Well, she wrote that other song in the back of a shoebox, so, yeah. you know, you can just yeah. do whatever. Well, unfortunately, Jerrica informs her it's too late, as there are no available flights left to Mulberry. Mr. Oh Gabor my God. asks... Oh my God, no, 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 come on. They They decided... To try to find flights today, to leave today, to go to I know. an airport it's that probably planning. requires three connections and a donkey. When, why didn't they plan this ahead of time? I don't understand this. So like the, they knew they were going to have to be there. Why didn't they pre-buy those tickets? Because of the plot. <laughs> Apparently, it's very, uh, it's all over the place. So that Harvey Gabor could do with the thing sure, that he does right. next. Which we'll find out. Well, Mr. Gabor asks to use the phone as he has a business-related call to take care of. Jerrica jumps to the assumption that the rumors are true and that all and that all Harvey cares about is business. 
But in truth, he makes a call to one of his contacts, Hugh Carrington, at American Aviation, and asks to borrow his Concorde. And I think it's pretty obvious why he wants to do that. He obviously wants to do a favor for them. At the Father's Day banquet, Clash berates video for not showing up with Gem and the Holograms. The crowd begins to get upset and Video tries to explain the situation, but nobody wants to hear about it. Buzz suggests that Clash's band play instead of the holograms, but the Misfits look surprised as Clash isn't a member of the Misfits. Well, it's revealed that Clash has been lying to people, in particular her family, that she was in a popular rock band. Poor Clash. The Misfits laugh at her expense once again. And I tell wait, her they're so mean to her. They tell her you're either born a misfit or you're not, which is okay. What what does that mean? That, that doesn't even mean. I mean, anything. Jetta, they, they recruited horrible. Jetta, so they did. I mean, they they they're really horrible. And you know, I feel like on any other TV show, this would be the moment where Clash is like, they're not really my friends after yeah. all. I don't and then need she them anyway. With them, right? I don't need those people. And she stops hanging out with them, and she moves on with her life, and. She decides to become a gem in the holograms groupie because they're so much nicer. But that's not what's going to happen here. So, you know, whatever. But I, I do feel I, I feel a little bad for Clash in that moment because the misfits are just so horrendous to her. But you know who I hate more than the misfits at this moment? Who? I hate the people of Mulberry even more because they totally attack me. They're like, you said Jim would be here and Jim is not even here. We canceled the band. It's like nobody told you to cancel the band. Nobody said cancel the band, jerk. You did that. That's on you. Oh, I hate these people. I hope that when Gem and the Holograms leave this place, like these people will get trapped in a Stephen King novel, a Stephen King novel where everybody in the town dies, <laughs> except for Video's parents, but not except for Clash's dad. The end. <laughs> wow, it's dark. The crowd begins to leave, but a thunderous roar is heard from overhead. Gem and the Holograms make a grandiose entrance as they arrive on a Concord. No doubt. Jetta they... <laughs> seems surprised at how the holograms managed to get to the event. Especially since, like, they're on a random strip of dirt. No kidding. And, Why and is this banquet land? on the airport strip? And by the way, I that airport know. landing strip is not even paved. It's dirt. It's a dirt it's not, road. It's not. And so the Concord is just like, well, I can land anywhere because I'm the Concord. Oh, you know. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, th- this this town Mulberry, is such Arkansas. a terrible town. No, I have airports that, here. We got dirt well, roads. They got dirt roads, but, you know, they're holding this banquet in a hangar because that's the only place that can fit everybody in the town. Like, not even the town hall can fit all the people in the town. That's just how terrible their little town is, which is why, again, I say I hope they get trapped in the Stephen King novel because clearly their civic infrastructure is stupid. Yeah. When they... When they question whose plane it is, Pizzazz realizes it's her father's plane and she goes ballistic. After all, her own father consorting with the enemy. Pretty much. And speaking of tantrums, man, nothing, nothing what came before was a tantrum. This is a a proper, proper tantrum. Yep. And you know what? Stomping up and down and screaming. Because she's in the right. She, She is. She has blame this her. tantrum. She she storms up to her father and she's like, "You said that you did not have time to spend with me, but you have time to spend with these glitches." And I said, "Pazaz, you have a point." I mean, not only did Harvey Gabor fly them here, but he got off that plane arm in arm with Kimber. And as I said, I don't think I've ever seen him touch Pazaz. The only time we see him touch Pazaz is when he like keeps her from launching herself at Kimber's face to snatch a wig. And so, because Pizzazz was about to start snatching wicks and taking names at that point. That's the only time we've seen Harvey touch her. And, and yes, like, she screams at him and it's a little bit over the top because she's just with the enemy and whatever. But she is legitimate. Like, all of her anger is legitimate because Harvey has ignored her and he has then come to the help of these other women who he barely knows when he won't spend time with his daughter. And the thing that really pissed me off as this was going on, is like she's ranting at him. There's this shot of 
Jem and the hologram standing there and they're all looking at Pizzazz like she is being completely ridiculous and unreasonable. And they're even kind of like shrugging at the camera like, I don't know what her problem is. I'm like, you glitches know exactly what her problem is. Don't try to sit here and, and make it look like she is being horrible and unreasonable at this point because she is not. Pizzazz has every right to be angry at Harvey Gabor for his nonsense. And I am still team Pizzazz at this time. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, well, we wrap this episode with a Gem and the Holograms music video, the final no, one. No, 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 no. You have to talk about Harvey's reaction. Alex, you're missing all of the emotional beats. I am. All of them. That's all yes. I have written. Oh, okay, fine. I'll do it. <laughs> the emotional beats, Alex. They're so emotional. So, I mean, after we have the shot of Gem and the Holograms fake looking like they don't understand what's going on, Harvey says to Pizzazz, like, he doesn't even attempt to talk to her. He's like, I don't have to justify myself to you. He's like, I think actually, yes, you do, but whatever. And he's like, I don't have to justify myself to you. And she's like, ah, and he's like, oh, you're impossible. And oh, like, right. oh my God, uh, that is important. I didn't write that uh, down. I should have. And, and here's the thing. When he's like, oh, you're impossible. I can't. I'm like, shut up, Harvey, because yes, you can. Because, you know, when, when Pizzazz first storms over to him, Kimber even says to him, don't assume it's impossible. Talk to her. Say something to her. Um, don't assume that it's hopeless. And then Shayna, with her angry black woman on, is like, but it probably is. And I'm like, oh, Shayna, you're Thor's shade. But keep that shade over there for just a second while Pizzazz has this moment. But just the fact that Harvey, even still, even after all of that, even after that discussion with Kimber... He still reacts as if Pizzazz is horrible and unreasonable and how dare she. And I'm like, Harvey Gabor, you are the worst father since uh, Odin in that movie with the Avengers. Yeah, he's a big jerk. He's a big, fat jerk, especially in this moment. I don't get he's it. I really he's don't. Well, we get the final music video in this episode by Gem and the Holograms called You're Always in My Heart, which is kind of a nice way to end this episode. What did you think? This is one of my favorite, favorite songs, and I cry every time I hear this song, even though it's titled incorrectly, because the song should be titled Always There in My Heart, but the title card doesn't have the there, but the lyric has the there, and so that's fine, whatever. So I really love this song. It's actually really beautiful, melodically, um, just like as a song. It's really beautiful. But, you know, the, the sentiment behind the song about how, you know, even though when someone is gone, you know, they're always going to be there because you remember them and and you keep them in your heart. I mean, that's uh, it's so touching. And this music video is like designed to make you cry, especially if you've lost a parent, because, um, you know, you have all these scenes of Emmett Bennett with his daughters for some reason we don't have the mother but you know we'll, we'll deal with that later because <laughs> it's Father's Day but um, you have all these scenes with Emmett Bennett and Jerrica and Kimber and them all being together and, and that's you know part of like the beautiful memories that they have of him and then at the end of the video there's this like really touching moment where you know you see them walking together and the girls are like you know really little like four or five and then they pass a tree and then they're a little bit older and they pass a tree and they're older and then they pass a tree and they're like adults and then they pass a tree and like the seasons have been changing you know as they keep passing this tree and then finally they pass a tree and it's winter and it's just Jerrica and Kimber because their dad is gone and they look at each other and like Jerrica is sad and Kimber is angry And then they embrace because they're like, well, all we have is each other and our memories and we have to hold on to each other. And God only knows like why they didn't put that in the episode. Like why they didn't have Jerrica actually expressing that in the episode. Who knows? Probably because Jerrica's the worst. But I just, I I thought Rhea was the worst. Jerrica's the second worst. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I just, I love that moment. I love that whole sequence. Because, I mean, that's, it's just so beautiful and it's really, really touching and I love that. So I love everything about this video. I also really love how at one point in the video, like they keep, you know, going back to shots of like the people in the audience and video with her dad, it clashed with her dad and whatever. And then there's this one shot of Harvey Gabor standing in the back of the hangar <laughs> and, and he looks and he sees Pizzazz and he has this memory of her when she was a little 
two-year-old, two-year-old pizzazz with, with green hair. Green hair. <laughs> On her little tricycle. And like, you know, he embraces her. And then, you know, he's holding her little hand and her little hand slips away. And then we see grown-up pizzazz. And he smiles at her as if that's going to make up for anything. And pizzazz turns away angry. And I'm sure that that was meant to show that pizzazz was the... The horrible person. She couldn't be the bigger person and just put things aside. But, you know, her anger is legitimate and years long. So I'm not even going to fault her for that. But it was just like it was actually a really interesting. Yeah, that's really moment between the two of them. It was was good. I think, uh, you know, I I wonder, though, how does Harvey Gabor sleep at night knowing that he's destroyed a human being? And I'm talking about pizzazz. Yeah, because he's directly responsible. I mean, for the way she's turned out. Now, obviously, as an adult, I mean, you know, there's some onus on her for trying to move past that. But I mean, really, she is a product of her upbringing. She is the quintessential spoiled, rich brat with a neglectful father that was never present in her life. That's right. You know, and and as much as you can. I mean, obviously, as an adult, you do make choices to to be a certain way. And we have seen that Pizzazz has made many unfortunate choices in her life. But you're right. Like, a lot of it really comes from the fact that Harvey just is not anywhere in her life, really. He ignores her. And then we get this whole thing where he'd rather spend time going to find Arabian horses than spend Father's Day with his daughter. I mean, it's just... uh. So yeah, it's it's this this episode is really very emotional and it's all about all these different family connections because you know not only do we have the whole like fathers and daughters thing and we have Clash's really interesting relationship with her father but also the whole thing about the relationship between the two brothers, Buzz and John and how John just continues to let Buzz be inappropriate and walk all over him and it's instead of like moving across town and getting away from this jerk as much as is possible in the town the size of a postage stamp, such as Mulberry is. Um, you know, but, you know, there's that relationship. There's the relationship between these sisters. And then there, are, it's just, it, this is very interesting that, that this episode, in a very short amount of time, explores a lot of different kinds of familial relationships, which I just find really interesting. This is actually the reason why, though I don't watch it a lot because it's so emotional, this is one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, I I think the episode fails for me overall in 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 a general sense, but I do like the emotional the strong emotional beats sort of throughout the episode. Uh you know, the, obviously the conversation between Kimber and Harvey Gabor and uh you know, it's that that was that was a peak definitely for me. And uh yeah, and the way the way the episode wraps with the music video as well. So I wouldn't say it was a bad episode, and I, I did get I did get kind of choked up at certain parts, but uh, but yeah, it was it was okay. Well, K Tempest Bradford, we're out of time for this week, but everyone can go and subscribe to her uh, website, all her social media stuff at ktempestbradford.com, and you'll be able to read her writing there. Links to her Twitter, which is at Tiny Tempest. And her YouTube channel, which you should also also go and subscribe to as well. She does the Tempest Challenge there. And, of course, the... Oh, and there's the latest video that's up. Yes, the unboxing video of your lovely gem earrings and 32-page right. art book. So uh, I got my Gemstar earrings. They, they're they light-up earrings. They're called I think they're called Synergy light-up earrings or something like that um, from Amazon, and I love them so much. And you have to go watch the unboxing video so you can see what happens when I say, Showtime, Synergy! Well, I certainly enjoyed it, but I'm not going to spoil it for our listeners, so head over there and check out the video. There will be a link in the show notes to that as well. And also, mm-hmm. new this week, I have my own podcast now. Oh, yes. Let's plug that. So, K Tempest Bradford has a new podcast on the Hologram Radio Network, and it's called The Right Gear, as in W-R-I-T-E, which is a podcast about technology and uh, pens and all sorts of stuff. It's basically about the analog and the digital tools that writers use to write. So, yes, I will be talking a lot about Technology such as laptops and keyboards and tablets and stuff like that. But I'm also going to talk about journals 
and paper and pens. We're going to have so many episodes about how much everybody loves fountain pens. You won't believe it. Awesome. Yeah, so you can uh, also follow that uh, show on its own Twitter account at, uh, what is the Twitter account for that, by the way? It's Right Gear Cast. So W-R-I-T-E, Right Gear Cast. And as far as uh, my writing is concerned, I'm on ZeroDistraction.com, ZeroDistraction on Twitter and Facebook as well. And you can follow this podcast if you haven't already and you are on Twitter. Hit us up at Gem Podcast or Gem Podcast as well on Facebook. And uh, if you'd like to show your support for the show, there are various ways you can do that. And I'm going to tell you about it right now. If you haven't already... Go to iTunes and hit that subscribe button, which will ensure that you always get the latest episode of the Gemcast in your podcast app every single week for free. And if you like the show, we would sincerely appreciate it if you took a moment and left us a review on iTunes. You can leave a comment or you can just leave us a five-star rating. And that helps other people find the show because the more people that rate our show, the higher it gets pushed up in the iTunes podcast rankings. And maybe one day we'll be one of those featured podcasts on the homepage, which would be incredible. I'd love that. You can also show your support by going to hologramradio.org forward slash sponsors and clicking on one of our Amazon links. We have links for Amazon UK, USA, and Canada, and there's no additional work necessary on your part. Just shop away like you normally do on Amazon, and that will uh, send us a couple of bucks every every purchase that you make, which helps us cover our, our podcasting fees and our server fees and all of that. Uh, infrastructure stuff that we have to pay out of pocket for ourselves. You can also go to our donation page on the Hologram Radio website and send us a couple bucks if you feel comfortable or hit up our new Patreon page, which we haven't actually announced yet and I'm still working on it, but you can actually get to it now by going to patreon.com forward slash Hologram Radio. And that's it for this week. Next week, what do we got, Tempest, as far as shows are concerned? The Treasure Hunt! Oh, my God. 34th episode. Oh, Jesus. This looks like a bit of a weird one. Oh, it's... it's uh, Not good. I, I have so many unhappy feelings about that okay. episode. Well, tune in next week to, uh, to hear us talk about that. Hopefully, Aline Sims will be back from her trip. I don't know if we'll be able to record another episode with her, but we'll, we'll try our best to get her back on the podcast. And... That's it for now. Show is over, Synergy.